0: I am unashamed. What about you? So we're still coming from our uh, vacation spot, but it's a little different for me because I have a place down there now. so it's kind of like I sort of live here, you know, I mean, I do podcasts from here, use of the house. and once again, I, we appreciate Andy for letting us use his studio, which is, is a really cool. this right. look at this big table and you, what you probably can't see on all the cameras is that the books are holding it up. Of course, he's a great right. author, so a great setup we appreciate him doing that so yesterday was a little while we can we yeah, we, we we came in to do the the podcast here and so dad was having a situation there and it was all happening in real time and so we couldn't we didn't couldn't really talk about it on yesterday's podcast even though it was literally happening as we were about to begin the podcast there was a a troubled young man that had made his way to dad's house and you know he didn't know who he was and so, you know, dad's like all of us is this day and age, you kind of got to be careful. You know, someone shows up suddenly. So uh, a reminder, we said this before the audience, um, you know, we kind of have a structure. We try to if you guys come down to visit to uh, attend one of our churches where we're at, there's a there's a process. If you'll let us know, we'd love to, to meet you. But we don't want to just show up behind gates because that causes some issues. So but I, Dad, I just I thought your heart was was 100%. You, because you were just sharing Jesus. I did think it was interesting that you had your Bible and you were sharing with this young man, but you did have your AR across your lap because <laughs> you, it could go one of two ways. <laughs> we've said before that we we want to have Bible studies, but at the same time, you know, if a gunfight breaks out, we're, we're kind of ready for it, for anything and everything. But, and, um, you know, we, we dealt with the situation. Dad, you did well. We're not there. So you were kind of on your own. And, uh, but I thought you had the right heart, and we prayed for the young man uh, after he left um, that you know he can find some peace. So um, I don't know; it was just a it was an odd way for us to get the get the day started yesterday. But Dad, I thought you you were excellent. I thought the way you
1: handled everything. It was, was a little. Top-notch. It Good. was a you know we have security detail, uh, and we're we're like you say. If you just look around at your culture and the events. The murderous events that are happening, and and our culture, almost I'd say daily, it, it tends to just put one on edge a little bit. If you know what I'm saying. So yeah, but I hope I wish I well, wish the you. young man. I mean, you know, I prayed for him repeatedly when after we left here because I just didn't like the way that that went down. But he just needs to remember to contact us and have it planned where we know who's coming because it's a lot of people coming in a lot of different directions around here.
2: Well, what you mean you didn't like how it went down I mean because you don't know he wasn't he wasn't either able or refused to communicate. So if someone can't tell you why you're here, because we talked about that you know the three basic basic questions to humanity is how'd you get here? What are you doing here? And how are you leaving? You know, we're talking about planet earth. But when you ask a, a young man who's in a, in a place where he shouldn't be, inside a gate, and you say, what are you doing here? Well, if you don't have an answer or you're not able to, that's not good. Yeah. That's <laughs> you not. know, state your, what is your purpose? So I think it's interesting when Phil, when we saw Phil's feed, he was like mid gospel presentation and i was like "Who who's he sharing with Because <laughs> i thought Phil, he was sharing with the camera guys it was like i gotta do this podcast <laughs> so you come on up here and just sit in the room so i can keep an eye on you but when Phil they didn't didn't think it you know he didn't like how it went because you know the police were called because we got a young yeah you don't know what's going who, on who won't state why he's here so they did a weapon search and But once there was no weapons found, everybody felt better. But still, I did think it was a good sign that obviously he had a lot of trouble and some mental issues, special needs, however you want to describe it. But somewhere in his subconscious, he had realized that whatever Phil had to say, I I think it was in his subconscious, even though he couldn't reveal that, He was trying to get help. There was a draw there, yeah. And so help was given. Mm. You know, Phil shared Jesus with him. They were evaluating
1: him. It it didn't, didn't, you know, the police arrived and all that, that's part of living on planet Earth. But uh, I wanted to know that I prayed for him multiple times after we left this podcast because uh, I did baptize him. He was one of the ones that I had baptized earlier, but I didn't remember because it's lot, I baptized a lot of people. So he was just one of many, but to, to his people, that his mother, father, or the people who raised him, I think is the way he put it, uh, I, w- I will offer my sincere apology for that not turning out real well. But uh, they can contact us, and we'll... we'll get another time when he can come and i can spend more time with him i mean in the middle of a podcast here you know this show must go on so it was just a little bit awkward <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: that's why we kind of
2: well no, you did great i mean once y'all made the link to his family it had a happy ending right. i love
1: Everybody's the young trying. murk i love him i mean yeah. i really do and, you know and I, I prayed for him and uh he had some issues with drugs and the past and all that but uh so he is one of many that I've sat down and counseled with, but the timing was just a little bit off as far as me just stopping what I was doing. And so, but I wish him well. well. It's, another
0: remi- it's another reminder, too, that, you know, this, this, um, this, the drug addiction, I mean, it's always been an issue, but we, we're kind of in another, the last decade, we're in another place with that. And and you've got, uh, tough. huge, large amounts of young, uh, people, young men and women, especially that these opioids, and now you got this you know, with this fentanyl stuff and all that. I mean, it's a, it's a death machine, you know I mean? Not only does it mess your life up, I was seeing people end up in jail or, you know, all kinds of problems like that, but it's a man, it, it, it'll kill you. And, uh, oh, you know, I, maybe, I think it's just another reminder. You've
2: seen the- that show cops. I mean,
0: <laughs> everyone they pull over
2: is, just drugs. I mean, yeah, you've been doing drugs. no, Boom! They just take off. Yeah. Right. here we go.
0: Yeah. Well, and let's face it: we sort of we've we've lately kind of ceded the border to the control of cartels from Mexico. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones controlling the action down there, and you know, it's way more than the than the, we can possibly police. So it's a it's a dangerous situation. I mean, it's, it, it is people, a big
1: issue. the young people of America now, it's a it's full out warfare, spiritual warfare, and uh, many many many. Are going down the wrong road with all this fentanyl and all this drug use i mean it's a and this this guy here was a victim of the same thing so it's a tough world out there guys i don't you know but you know i, I wish him well me, i prayed for him repeatedly
2: well you know you're talking about being spiritual warfare which is ephesians 6 you know, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Similar to Colossians 3, you know, in Ephesians 5, he had this, he, in verse 18, he said, Don't get drunk, which here he says on wine. But, I mean, the whole drug thing is this, this way to be, you know, reach some kind of numbing in your mind. And that's what drugs do, so you don't have to deal with real life and get addicted. But it says, which leads to debauchery, which is just an, an addiction and a daily captivity of, of being hooked on something. But it said, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing, make music in your in your heart which is similar to what he says in Colossians because he's saying put off the old self, put on the new self, and then he, he's going to eventually get into relationships. But he, sa- he, he brings that up again in 16 of chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
0: No, and I think you're right. I think, of course, when he he wrote Ephesians, you know, and Colossians, in the set, kind of the same setting, so it's obvious that you know he that's where his thinking was when he sent to those two different churches. But you're right; it's interesting. It's it's really a, we talk about it a lot on here. It's finding it's finding that peace of mind, that, which is what people are looking for. And so the, to, you think you know the evil one has planted the idea that that can be found in alcohol or in drugs or in some relationship or some situation. But <clears throat> we all know that's a lie because it only creates more chaos. I mean, the, the, the degeneration of this downward spiral in a person's life, that's what happens. But they're, they're searching for, for what this is describing. You know, <clears throat> we know when you get yeah. together in a setting of spirit-filled people, I mean, this happens a lot, Zach, in your family, and people just are, are worshiping and you know sharing different things about God. And happens inside that family. I mean, you—that's a peace that just—it's it, a calm. It flows over you. I mean, you—you you come out of those settings with like, man, I—I I feel like I got purpose. I got, you know, all this is meaningful, yeah, and you, that's why I
1: think people you, uh, are, are you made a good. That's what the Apostle Paul <clears throat> was referring to, in that Colossians three, thirteen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And you could add there, not war. You were called to peace. Be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with, in all wisdom, you know, and as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, gratitude in your hearts, so we, the, 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 the look of it all is people who have peace of mind. I have said for about the last 40 to 50 years, the rarest commodity of everything in the midst of all this sinful world and all of that, and the struggle between good and evil, the hardest thing to achieve while on planet earth for any human being is peace of mind. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a tough, tough thing to have in the midst of it all. You agree? <clears throat> I agree. And, and I think that's, that,
0: that's not only in a person's personal, you know, experience, but then as a culture, you see the same thing. So we've talked about it before whether it's politics or, you know, cable news or whatever, it's always there's never peace. It's always war. That's right. <laughs> it's always the war of ideas where you get little done or solved. And it just kind of keeps you riled up all the time. And you know? if you, if just, you just,
1: and if, if you fail to, to run up on Jesus, uh, the Colossian writers say, and you'll never have any peace, peace of mind, between you and God, and between you and your family members and your culture, there's just no peace there. But just war, war, war. They kill, covet. It's 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 a tough world out there, boys.
0: That's exactly right. Which is why we're here having yes. this discussion. Well, and I love in, in Colossians three. You mentioned this um
3: yes, uh, the last episode, just the the dichotomy between the first half of three in the second half of, of one being a place of non-peace, malice, slander, yep. anger, wrath. I think about that movie, um, Mad Max, you know, you look at kind of, uh, the, what, what does it look like in a world where it's just every man for himself, every person is just out to consume what they can consume. And it sounds good until you really consider what that world would look like. I can do whatever I want to do. Complete, you know, complete lawlessness. Whatever I want, I can do. When you watch a movie like Mad Max, this apocalyptic scene, this dystopian type movie, that it doesn't look appealing to me. It looks very <laughs> scary. That I mean, everywhere you turn, you got to watch your back. It's the opposite of peace. And then you juxtapose that with life in the kingdom, where it, there is this tranquility, there is this this peace of mind that Phil talks about, and I think the peace comes from finding. Um, Al, you said it: finding meaning and finding
0: context in the world. So he says here. In- Hang on, with that? Let's take a break. Well, we uh, all of us, I think, at some point in our life have been in a place where we've needed some wise counsel. Mm-hmm. That'd be fair to say, one hundred percent. You know, we uh, and we've provided counsel for others as well because of some of the blessings we've received. Um, and people need that. A lot of people get burnt out, they have lack of motivation, they get irritable, they get fatigued, and they're like, their relationships begin to suffer. And so we want to be able to provide something uh, from one of our sponsors called Better Help that allows people to be able to have therapy and do it online. And um, because it's not always easy to, to find therapists uh, and it's, it's also sometimes unaffordable for people. So uh, this is a great to customize online therapy. They offer video, phone, live chat sessions with your therapist. They can match you with someone and within 48 hours you can be uh, be helped. So we want you to check these guys out. Our listeners are going to get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com unashamed. That's better H-E-L-P. BetterHelp.com slash Unashay. So he says here in
3: verse 12, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, he tells us to do something here. So there is an action on our part. He says, put on a heart of what? Compassion, Mm -hmm. kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other who uh, whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the Lord forgave you. so to so Christ here is the template for how we're, we're to act right so also uh, should you and I think about like why would we why would we embody this? why would we live a life that where we would forgive people who have trespassed against us who sinned against us we would do it because God did it and God in and of himself he's fulfilled. God's not insecure. God's not—he's not like uh, depressed. He's not hurting. He's not. I mean, God is God. He's completely fulfilled and sustained inside of himself. So whatever he is, that's what we want to be transformed into. Um, and he finishes up with what Phil hit, hit up on yesterday, uh, yesterday, a lot was this. Beyond all of these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then you, and then you let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And I think that's the sign of it right there. Thankfulness. You look at a heart that's thankful. You look at somebody that's like hyper entitled and they're probably somebody who is not living in peace. If they're demanding more and more and more, they're not happy. They're, they're just entitled. They're, they're a malcontent. That's somebody who's not living in peace and probably not considering what you know, what has been offered to them through
0: Jesus. But, you know, he says that phrase forgive as as God forgave you. He's not, you know, and Jesus says that quite a bit in the Gospels, and the red letters. He's not saying that now, look, you have to forgive because you've been forgiven like it's a command. He's saying the same way God feels about you. That's how you feel about each other. And so forgiveness comes much easier when I view it as he viewed me. And I I realize I'm not worthy. So I think people have taken that the wrong way because I've heard people tell me, well, you know, I I don't have to forgive this person. They've never asked for forgiveness. And I'm just like, so that's it's conditional now that somehow you're going to harbor bitterness and never release something because of what? You're going to wait around for, you know, everybody's got to make amends. So it's a mindset that's there. It's the same reason, Dad, that you were compassionate yesterday in a situation that most people would not have been. I mean, because you, you cared about a person because God cared about you and someone was there when you, you know, were down and had trouble. So, I mean, that's the ideas, the mindset and the heart that says, I, I want people to know what I know. I think that's why he puts it in that spirit-filled, you know, setting that he does. Yeah. The transformation is,
3: I, it's just that it's transformation. I think the language of all of this and what we've really been hitting on in in the last few episodes, <clears throat> as we've been in Colossians Jay said it yesterday. These are not more rules that, that, that God's piling on. He's not replacing old rules with new rules. And I think that's hard for us as Christians because, you know, we're so geared towards this rule. Just as humans, we're geared towards rule-oriented systems for the purpose that T.S. Eliot said, you know, we don't have to be good anymore. We can find the system well, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to be good. The system takes care of everything. So we're we're searching for that system, but that's not what what this is. This is uh, Jesus said uh, that it's new wine, and the, and that the old wine skins can't hold the new wine. And I think this is what he's talking about. He's not. It's why the the the, the Pharisees had those crusty wine skins that were basically their systems, their laws, their all of their their self imposed worship, the regulations that Colossians talks about. And so we're trying to pour this new wine into that, and it just does, and they it doesn't hold it. Right. And I think our what we need to be looking for as as believers is how do we how do we find new wine skins that can hold this new wine that's that's much more about the transformation of the heart, and and a lot less about the systems that we develop so that we don't have to transform the heart. Does
0: that make sense? Yeah, I think you're right, and I think you see it, it you saw it in the religious world in Jesus Day as you described. And you see it a lot today, unfortunately, in churches, when you get so inward focused on yourself and on leadership, and you, you miss the point of living Christianity out every single day. And it's, uh, I think it was maybe Tucker Carlson. Somebody recently said something that I had not thought about. And he was talking, of course, in politics, but you could apply this to anybody. He said, when's the last time you saw a politician talking about anything and trying to put forward something that didn't make them more powerful? Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's a party or whatever And I thought, man, that's, that's what people do it, it, when, you, when you're making it about you And making yourself more powerful That's what the Pharisees were doing I mean, they had they were set up That's why Jesus kept calling you hypocrites You got this for you, but you got this for everybody else And that's exactly what you see Whether it's political or something else is, If it's only about making me more powerful Instead of saying, I want to make you more powerful yeah. I want to empower you I want to I make your life better you know, for the right reasons and not to make me more powerful. And so I, I just, that struck me looking at it f- through a spiritual lens is I, when I'm with somebody else, I don't want to increase my power over them. I want them to be empowered w- yeah. when it comes to Christianity. Well, that's a good word for the church right now. You think, I,
3: I, I think we're kind of in this phase. The church is always kind of deconsolidated, you know, really since the beginning of, of its inception. If you think about, um, the, what was it? The great schism what Eastern Orthodox broke off from Catholicism. And I forgot when it was, but uh, 10, I won't say 1026, but that's probably too early. And then you had the reformation movement, mm-hmm. uh, which was the birth of kind of the Protestant reformation movement. Then, then beyond that, you the had the 1500s.
0: Had the yeah. The
3: 1500s. And you had like the, 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 the circuit riders of the Methodist church, the restoration movement, which yep. we came out of, and yep. which is a further deconsolidation of power. Right. And then now you're seeing it even more kind of a of, of deconsolidation of the denominations. And it's like, I think that, that that's a good thing in a way you see what's happening right now with the Southern Baptist convention with the sexual abuse scandals and which is just horrible, yeah. you know, and you think, man, well, how does this, how, how does even in the church, it's like been this consolidation of power. And I think what, you know, what, what the, Paul's getting at is, is something completely different. It's like sacrificial as modeled by Jesus who had all power. Yeah. But I mean, Jesus had all the power. I mean, he's the son of God. He is the supreme being. He is the, you know, through him and by him all things were made. In the beginning it was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And and that and, and the word became flesh. I mean, just, just the humility of that, that statement alone, that the word became flesh. And, and that's what we're to model. And, and it's not modeling it like um, let's do this so that we can earn favor. I think what what this Paul's getting at. Is when you model that type of sacrificial life, the kind that Jesus lived, that is where you will find fulfillment. It's in that type of sacrificial service and laying out of yourself, an emptying of yourself. Philippians chapter 2, Christ, who being in the very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. When we embody that, I think what Paul is getting at is that is the good life that is where you find what phil talked about the peace of mind that is the rarest of all commodities the reason mm-hmm. why it's rare is because we're living consumptive lives where we're trying to ingest and just consume as much as we can
2: let
1: me, let me tell you, that's not let, where it's let, found let me tell you what's interesting and y'all can maybe answer this but if you just look you look at a, a book a little letter like colossians colossians and, and, and someone added chapter one, he was just writing this, this material down. So here he is, he's in prison, he's writing these letters. You just think in a computerized world right now, looking back at a couple of thousand years ago, you have a guy, he's sitting there and he writes his letter Well, the chances of that material coming forth from a prison cell are just chained up in a dark space. There was no lighting and all that. I mean, when it it got dark, it was dark all over. Just think about how the writings in this book that I have in front of me, and y'all have in front of you, and we're reading how to behave who Jesus is. What are the odds all that material and look it was like what 1600s 1600 AD before they actually got this material in book form. Can you imagine trying to gather the material we now have in front of us? How in the world did, did, did God make it possible that this material could come in out of sitting on the side of a river somewhere, locked up in jail, and it all comes together in one book? One thousand six hundred years later, when was the first Bible made? When, if you, when was the first? Where was the first copy? And then it just took off from there, and we all have one in front of us. You're like, just that to get this material to the human race covering the years that it covered all the way back to the law of Moses we mentioned yesterday, 2,000 years before Jesus showed up. How in the world is that even possible, Al?
0: <laughs> well, it's almost
1: like it was a, <clears throat> a divine plan, wasn't it, Deb? What are you talking about? Was it a divine plan? And, and what was going on as far as the material this letter actually got to the people at Colossae. And these letters, it, it made it to the Ephesians you, you, at Ephesus. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. How in the world did the material yeah. flow at the, the the pace that it had to flow in order to come together? you talking about a, uh, only God himself could have made that possible. I mean, we're in a computerized world, materials running at warp speed in every direction, but these people—I mean, he—they didn't even have a paper. I don't—I don't even know how he got the material, what he put it on, how he wrote it, and it—and it make its way to us, two thousand years later. I can't even figure <laughs> that out. But you read the material <laughs> and you say, "Whoa!" So you talk about—to me, that's the strongest statement that God is real and there's nothing impossible for him. I mean, that would no, be I very agree. difficult let's, let's, to do.
0: Let's take another break. So, Zach, I don't know why people would you know, buy a house, buy a car, something or have high interest rate credit cards and not want to pay less for any of those, would you? I, I've never understood it. I don't get it. <laughs> so one of our sponsors, ScoreMaster, uh, who you and I have both used, is uh what they do is they call it the three-week rule if you'll give them three weeks before you apply for a mortgage buy a car apply for a credit card even or finance something uh, they can bump up your credit score point 61 points on average so i mean some's even more i don't i think mine was higher than that yeah i can testify it works you know what the way it works is
3: is that most people don't know how to increase their credit score like like their individual score which, I mean, they may know in general, but what this does, you put your information in there, and when you go on the website, it will tell you exactly. If you pay down this credit card, if you pay this off, it just gives you a list of things to do and tells you what your score would be if you do them. And so, and so I was able to increase my score. I can't even remember now, but I got it, I got it
0: uh, uh, almost up to 800 points. That's awesome. So, So you optimize your credit score. You're going to pay less interest, which helps you beat inflation. Uh, which we are all suffering with that right now as well. So when you're at ScoreMaster, check out their privacy feature. that lets you swipe away the bad guys who want to sell your personal information as well. Go to ScoreMaster.com slash Phil. That's ScoreMaster.com slash Phil. ScoreMaster.com slash Phil and bump that credit score up. No, you're right, Dad, and, and um, I tell you for for the listeners, if you find yourself in Washington D.C. for any reason, you need to go to the Museum of the Bible, because what Dad just described, the the Green family and a lot of other people have have built a museum with like seven stories yeah. of telling the story of the Bible, just what you were talking about, Dad, and it was it's fascinating. I mean, it it, it I was there half a day. And felt like I needed three more days to really ingest what they've done there to to show exactly they show the process, Dad, that you're talking about. They've yeah. even got one of those old presses, you know, that made the first books, you know, that go yeah. back. They yeah. found one to restore it. So, <clears throat> I mean, it tells that story uh, of you know how it was translated. All the things are there. There's some great artifacts that are thousands of years old that are there. So, there's a you know a lot of people that smarter than us maybe not smart than that, that, that have studied exactly how that came to be. And it's fascinating. You're right. It's a, and we all know that it's just divine. A lot of people, we get this question a lot. So since we're here, I'll mention this because people say, well, how do we know, how can we possibly know that we've got exactly what we need? Like what if there's something else out there? What if there's a missing piece? Like it's, you know, I mean, Jason, you know, more, like more revelation. Right. Right. <clears throat> and so because no, we can you know, read, and
1: we can re- read this material that came out of some strange places where it was written. Al, you had a little sheet the other day said this material was written down. You mentioned some in prisons, on the, you know, under captivity, running and trying to save your life, and every one of them was slaughtered before it all went down. One lived. But you say the material flowed out without computers. I mean... It's amazing.
2: Just amazing. But the material reveals a person. And I think that's when people are looking for more material, in my opinion, they've missed the point that this all points to a person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you read the similarities between what we're reading in Colossians and just take Philippians, because we talked about the drug world and the young people and the party scene and the social media and it's me first and If you see how what he wrote almost 2,000 years ago in Philippians 3, he says, and he says he's in tears because many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That's verse 18. And he says, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, their mind is on earthly things. Mm -hmm. Well, you see that today people doing shameful things and you think how this starts off i mean as a young person they want this acceptance they want to be a part of a community so what do you do you go out there and go these wild parties and it's almost like revolutionary every generation that these group of young people i mean we make jokes and say we gotta go sell your wild oats or whatever but it just seems to be the same pattern doing the same things and a lot of them there's no satisfaction there, so they keep doing more and more things. The next thing you know, you're hooked on drugs. You're off selling yourself just to pay for your habit. And you say, where did this all start? They were looking for some kind of community, being a part of something, having fun. Well, in the contrast, he says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he, he always goes back to the person that we believe in and that we're waiting on and why this is written, who his power through his power can transform and bring everything under his control, including our lowly body, so that they will be like his glorious body. So then in chapter four, he makes a reference to his fellow workers. And I love how he depicts who they are. He says their names are written in the book of life. You're talking about community and being a part of something. Yep. And so then he says in verse four, "Rejoice!" in the Lord and always, I will say it again, rejoice. So by by contrast, when you look at our young people, this whole party scene starts in in an idea of having fun. I oh, always want to go out and have a good time. We're having a good time. You see, you, you see it portrayed on TV like that. Well, what does it lead? It leads to a lot of anxiety and flashing lights and <laughs> drug addiction and. <laughs> you know, babies out of wedlock who are just yep. forgotten or aborted or and all this happens. And so then this anxiety and bitterness and guilt takes over. And so he says, by contrast, don't be anxious about anything. Well right before that, he says, the Lord is near, which I think is a is a powerful statement. Because most of the times when there's a lot of mischief and there's a lot of sinning going on, people in their subconscious view the lord is way away uh-huh. if if in existence at all now whether he's talking about the lord is near by our physical death we we will encounter him or he's just he's near because he is near i mean right. if he's in all and overall so this says don't be anxious and then in verse seven which was the point i was trying to get to and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he goes through all these qualities, whatever's true, whatever's noble, which is in comparison to Colossians 3, set your mind on things above. Whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So, and then he says, and the God of peace be with you. And just to finish this thought up, because you think about why people turn to earthly things. When he gets to verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Because you see that even in the world. A lot of people who are, quote, unquote, spoiled, they become rebellious. And a lot of people who are in need are bitter or in situations that cause them to want to just not give a rip, you know, in the world. But he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in, in want. And you say, well, what is the secret? This fact. I can do everything through him who
0: gives me strength. Yep. Nope. You see that tattooed on a lot of people. Yeah, but I think they, I think a lot of
3: people misunderstand that verse. But that, but that, I mean, yeah, when you think about the the depth of what he's saying there, yeah.
2: what well, he's pointing to the Lord Jesus. That's he it. keeps pointing. It's like when you you have to it's read not all about those the verses. Things, it's more about yeah, so I think most people, people like it. what what is it what does it say for my life? What do I need to do? What do I need to check the boxes? Oh, I believe, you know, I have studied the script. You're missing the point. This is misleading
3: because they're saying what what can I uh, autonomously I'm on my own, what can I accomplish that I want to get done <laughs> yeah. with Jesus? But it's like you're, you're, it's that's not the point. The point is, it's it's is union, people? it's what? union with Christ. It's it's union with Him. That's why yeah, I like. Hang it. on, that? Let's take a break.
2: Uh, How many times have you had a conversation with a young person who's just out causing just mayhem in society, and they say, "Well, I'm a pretty good person." You know, and I believe in God. I just, you know, I just got off. And uh, next thing you know, it, it's like they're just viewing this as some kind of manual that they understand that they, they just had a slip up. It, it's not a living, active pursuit in the Lord where it's personal that he, you feel his, his presence and he's near. And this is something you've surrendered to. It's just like an, a book that people have invented with a bunch of made-up stories with some rules in it that if you follow some of them, you might make it.
0: Right. And remember the context in chapter 4 that you were just reading was contentment. In other words, Paul said, whether I have nothing or whether I have everything, I, I understand that's what he leads into saying, I can do all things through Christ. That, But what he's saying is, I may have nothing. I may be doing nothing. Exactly. But I but I found peace in Christ because I am subject to him he he. well my
2: point was if you don't have jesus though and you have nothing or plenty you're still going to go out there and live a life filled with anxiety sin yeah it doesn't matter if you're not surrendered to jesus and you're self-absorbed no matter what the circumstances it always leads to the same thing. Correct. I, I think, think that, there's there's nothing else you well, can the, get I into. I think the key the key you said there is self
3: absorbed. So you got you got to choose which one. Are you going to be self absorbed? or Are you going to be one with Christ? And and the, you can't be both. I mean, there's it, that that's the choice we all face. I mean, even Christ Himself is not self absorbed. If you think about it, I mean, you think about the nature of a triune God. The reason why it matters that God's triune that He's that He's three persons is because they're not. They, they unadulteratedly love each other. There's no like, the father's not like consuming for himself at the expense of the son. And this that's not in his nature. Yep. In his very nature, God, the father is pouring out eternal love to the son. The son is pouring out eternal love to the father. The spirit between them is a person. That's the love between them. I think that's why we're, we're modeling this, but going back to Phil's point and kind of tying some of this together, I was thinking about well, the, what you were saying, what Phil was saying, because Phil's, Putting the emphasis on the word of God, Jace was basically saying, "Yeah, but it's the word of God. It's a, it's pointing to a person, which is the language." By the way, in Colossians three, verse sixteen, what does it say? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and and admonishing one another. And you, you see this played out with Psalms, which we read. The Psalms we read. Like I was thinking when y'all were talking, Psalms. I think one thirty eight talks about asking the Lord to search my heart. Look at the meditations of my heart. Like, like, get, like, I, I want to be with you. I want to be connected with you. And we do that through reading of the Psalms, reading of the Scriptures that are inspired by the Spirit, and hymns and spiritual songs. We're singing with thankfulness in our in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him. <clears throat> To god the father so when we say i can do all things through christ who strengthens me that's not saying that i could do all th- i can go do all these things on my own and i get to have my cosmic bellhop jesus helping me out along the way <laughs> yeah. that's not what it
2: is i'll give you a perfect example of what you're saying so like if you said is it a good thing for a person to submit to the lord is it a great thing oh yeah well, absolutely 100 all right well let me let me read this so colossians 3 18 says wives submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Well, if you just take out "wives submit to your husbands," people are like, "I don't like that," <laughs> especially women, probably. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, if you read Ephesians five twenty-two, it says, "Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord." So, what I am saying is, it's a positive thing in both cases. He he brings up the Lord. Yep. So this is a different type of submission. This is as to as you are to the Lord. You know, in, in Ephesians five, when he got down to the end, he's like everyone should love his wife as he loves himself. You know, women should fill their role, but it, then he gets down and said, "This is a profound mystery." But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So my only point is, it's not a it, he wasn't writing a rule. All right. Here's the rules. Yeah. In marriage, <laughs> here's, here's the that. wife submits to the husband. Ooh. You know, men, you should respect your wives. So we're like, oh, and it's like as Christ did the church. Oh, wait a minute. He died for that. So that. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you disconnect it from the Lord in our relationship and understand how good He is, how true He is, the peace that comes in that, the contentment with. Well, then all of a sudden you're saying, well, maybe I just don't. I'm looking at this through my eyes. I mean, because most people, when they read that, they're not going to say this in church. But the man reads that and says, oh, I got the power. Yeah, this this is what, what happened to as to the Lord. Right. It, it Both times he makes a, a careful connotation
0: to be clear as well, to the Lord. And in other contexts, he compares it to Jesus to Paul compares Jesus this setting to Jesus and his relationship to the Father. Yeah. I mean they're one, they're God, and yet he says, I fully submit to the Father. And he did so by coming here. I mean he became flesh. When you when we hear when we Yeah, let's take our last break.
3: yeah and now i brought this up earlier about the power dynamic i mean it's that's one of the probably the biggest shifts that we would recognize culturally today with the new wine that we don't have the wineskins for is there is a a shift in the power dynamic not a shift there's a a obliteration of the human power dynamic and an institution of of god's power dynamic which you see and i think we should probably break this down more in the next episode because we don't have the time today. but you see it in verse 18 through Twenty-five, because there's some controversial stuff in there, right? There's yeah. a lot of things in there that I, when I read it, I was like, "Oh, great!" It's one of the, the dangers of of going through the Bible verse by verse. You have you have to deal with the text, yeah. And so you, then you get to verses about women submitting to their husbands, and I, you know, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk about that, or or this whole thing about slavery and and, and all that. But I think, which I think we should, <clears throat> we'll, we'll get into next episode. But I think what the bigger issue here is is that if you don't understand what we've been talking about in terms of of being one with Christ and that Christ is the head of all things then when we get to co- conversations about submission i mean it's it's going to sound horrible yeah cuz but but then when you start thinking about well what about Christ the one we serve the one that we worship the one that we call the supreme sovereign king of the universe like what about that guy did he
1: submit Yeah, many, many, many men, Zach. They have a a a deep-rooted fear that they will lose their manhood if they love their wife, and the husband is the uh, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. You're not giving up your manhood. You're magnifying it. That is manhood. Love your woman. Well, even in
2: fifteen, Phil, he said, "Husbands love your wives," but he said, "And don't be harsh with them." That's 19. right. Well, just yeah, 19. the I mean, fear just
1: think of about losing that your threat. manhood it keeps people keeps husbands from loving their wives the way they should. And and
0: why would he come back and say that unless he knew that pe- that men would take this as some sort of power that, that's right trip. That's right, and then and try to abuse their wives, which has happened throughout history. It's connected to the Lord. It's connected to the Lord at every level. When he said,
2: "Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord." Well, I know parents that said, "You do it, what you know, what I say, whether it's right or not." You you obey me in everything. Well, they're missing the point. Right, we're trying to please the Lord. Yes, and we're we're pretty. I think everyone, if they're honest you know when you're not pleasing the Lord. And right. in, in the example you're leading with your kids, the way you're treating your wife, the way the wife's treating the husband, if you're all united in trying to please the Lord, the, these issues don't come up. They don't come up, it, 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 and they, they come up when we don't understand who is
3: God. I always use this term a lot, like what does the inner life of God look like? What I mean by that is, if we were to look inside the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, before creation before anything exists all that exists is father son holy spirit the triune god what is that what what like who is he Like, because you know it's it, you have the idea in the old testament genesis 1 it says uh when he says let us which is a, a plural term let us make man and our image and then it flips to singular it says then he created them both male and female yeah. so you get this idea of of one and many diversity and unity all in the same being you think what like what what is going on there and i think it's why we don't understand these concepts like submission because when we hear submission we automatically think oh i'm losing power and then we think oh if i'm losing power that's a bad thing why why is it a bad thing to submit the reason why it's a bad thing to submit for the why we have that connotation is because we have seen people submit to authorities and be abused We've seen we've seen it in the church. I mean, look what's going on right now in the Southern Baptist right. Commission We mentioned earlier, you have all these massive scandals. Um, and it's happened in a lot. Happened in the Catholic Church too, right? Where you have these people in positions of authority, and then p- that people are submitting to their authority, and then and then abuse happens. Even in our own marriages, even in our own relationships, we've been we we have taken. And I've not parented my children a hundred percent correctly. I'm telling you, I, at times in their submission to me, I have treated them harshly, I've exacerbated them,
0: I've, which uh, is the next verse. Which is the, the next <laughs> verse, right?
3: We've all done this. Um and so we like the reason why we hear the word submission and immediately we're like that's bad is because we've hurt people and we've been hurt by people. That's not possible inside the Godhead. So so submission is a word that if we're going to have the discussion about s- submission, I think that word needs to be Redeemed. We need to understand what does submission look like, not in an earthly context where there's abuse and scandals. What does submission look like in an unadulterated um, 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 relationship, in a relationship where it's not possible to take advantage of one another? That's who God is. Right. God is a relationship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is not possible for them to adulterate, to commit adultery against each other. It's not that they don't do it. It's not possible for them to do it. Right. Like in God, because one John four eight was it
2: say, "God is love,"
3: right? And that's what I think we're missing in this discussion.
2: Well, I, I agree, and I think you got to realize that in the context of this about Jesus giving us freedom, a new life, part of our new self, it starts in the home. That's where he went. That age, he, age, by the way,
1: quality. when you when you and get this, he's it.
2: like this starts in the
1: house. Yep, yep. When you Go start ahead, in dude. your house. That's why you teach husbands, fathers should teach their children not to disrespect their mother. That's one way exactly. of a husband saying, look, you know, a belt is coming on your little 10-year-old butt. <laughs> if, you, if you disrespect your mother, you make that a, a, a ironclad thing they must do because if you don't do that, when you dishonor your mother repeatedly, and there's no discipline there, that's what leads to cultural demises. That's when they begin to stumble, is they disrespect their mother. It's critical. That that yeah. is teaching we, of manhood. Even who, in our
2: schools, you know. I mean, look, I got whipped by two principals at two different schools in my <laughs> career. No, I had a and, few of those. And look, I had it coming. And I think what the world misses now, because they would frown upon that. Right. Right. But those, both instances, those two coaches that whipped me, they, they became, we became great friends. I mean, I was in the wrong and violating a social normal practice, both in both cases. Right. You know, one I lied and one I was mean and rude and insulted another teacher. I got whooped for it. Yeah, because I, I, I wrote I, it down. I always preferred the paddling because if you got the paddling, it was over.
3: Yeah, you go in there, you you, you take your licks, and, and that, that on our referral cards, it would
2: say licks, three licks. They, that's what they called them. Yeah, that was our
0: dad's
3: but,
2: code, three licks. That's what they did both. both uh, but it was over. Coaches. I'd rather do that than, like, suspension or something, and it hurt. All right. <laughs> oh, I was surprised at, at the vigor. Oh. Because he kind of had a smile on his face, and I thought, "Well, <laughs> he's got to do this." I actually, well, think, that first lick, I was like, oh, a, oh, a, "A paddle will light
3: you." A belt is not to me. A paddle hurts way worse. because yeah. I got whooped with a belt at home. <laughs> but then you get like a paddle, man. That thing, you didn't, that, didn't that he
1: that Hebrews twelve nine. Moreover, <laughs> we've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and the key phrase there is, "And we respected them for it." Because later on in life, when, when, when your children has children, then they begin to understand, uh, yeah, dad, I think, I, I think I'm think i getting it on that. <laughs> I mean, they, were, <laughs> yeah. they, they respected well, their dad, you know, if that's taught. Just think about if you don't teach respect for their mother. It says right uh, here, man. if you don't, you're illegitimate children and are not true sons. So that Hebrew writer said that in Hebrews 12. So it's a critical issue, especially for today's culture.
2: Well, especially when you look at our, our culture now. I mean, I heard on the way over here, just on the random news that they said this past weekend, 14 different cities had shootings. Of course, they were saying this to try to get into the, we got to do something about the gun control. And they said Chicago alone, 51 people were shot. Sure. just this past weekend and i thought that's a lot of people oh and where they were trying to make it a political you know gun issue i was thinking where where's the family structure in this? Where where's the father saying hey wait well a that's minute. what yeah,
0: that's, <clears throat> and i want to discuss that a little bit more because i had a couple of thoughts of that as well but we're out of time so uh, we'll do that in the uh, in the overtime. So again, blaze slash unashamed.
3: Which we got our first uh, one of our friends. Yeah, converted. He, he said we got him on the baptism discussion, right? Didn't he he said
0: I, I finally had to go ahead and fork out that money. So uh, uh, McIntosh, we appreciate you. Yeah, we uh, let it ma- behind the thank paywall. Thank you for the sacrifice. So McIntosh, if you're listening too, by the way, we'll
3: have a conversation <laughs> later.
0: I love right. you. So we'll we'll see you on the uh, we'll see you on the overtime.